Book 11, Chapter 3 of The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah Luann. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Orksey. Book 11, A Battle of Wits. Chapter 3. The first part of the road from Gentilly to Paris runs through the valley of the Bière, and is densely wooded on either side. It winds in and out for the most part, ribbon-like, through thick coppice of chestnut and birch. It was impossible for Chauvelin to spy his quarry from afar, nor did he expect to do so this side of the Hospital de la Sainte. Once past that point, he would find the road quite open and running almost straight, in the midst of an arid and only partially cultivated land. He rode at a sharp trot, with his caped coat wrapped tightly round his shoulders, for it was raining fast. At intervals, when he met an occasional wayfarer, he would ask questions about a tall man who had a consumptive cough, and who was carrying a cumbersome burden under his arm. Almost everyone whom he thus asked remembered seeing a personage who vaguely answered to the description. Tall and with a decided stoop, yes, and carrying a cumbersome-looking bundle under his arm. Chauvelin was, undoubtedly, on the track of the thief." Just beyond Mouvet he was overtaken by Gordon and Tournefort. Here, too, the man Rateau's track had become more and more certain. At one place he had stopped and had a glass of wine and a rest. At another he had asked how close he was to the gates of Paris. The road was now quite open and level. The irregular buildings of the hospital appeared vague in the rain-sodden distance. Twenty minutes later Tournefort, who was riding ahead of his companions, spied a tall, stooping figure at the spot where the Chemin des Gentilly forks, and where stands a group of isolated houses and bits of garden which belonged to La Sainte. Here, before the days when the glorious revolution swept aside all such outward signs of superstition, there had stood a calvary. It was now used as a signpost. The man stood before it, scanning the half-obliterated indications. At the moment that Tournefort first caught sight of him, he appeared uncertain of his way. Then, for a while, he watched Tournefort, who was coming at a sharp trot towards him. Finally, he seemed to make up his mind very suddenly, and, giving a last quick look round, he walked rapidly along the upper road. Tournefort drew rein and waited for his colleagues to come up with him. Then he told them what he had seen. "'It's Rateau, sure enough,' he said. "'I saw his face quite distinctly and heard his abominable cough. "'He is trying to get into Paris. "'That road leads nowhere but to the barrier. "'There, of course, he will be stopped, and—' "'The other two had also brought their horses to a halt. "'The situation had become tense, "'and a plan for future action had at once to be decided on. "'Already Chauvelin, masterful and sure of himself, "'had assumed command of the little party.' Now he broke in abruptly on Tournefort's vapid reflections. "'We don't want him stopped at the barrier,' he said in his usual curt, authoritative manner. "'You, citizen Tournefort,' he continued, "'will ride as fast as you can to the gate, making a detour by the lower road. You will immediately demand to speak with the sergeant who is in command, and you will give him a detailed description of the man Rateau. Then you will tell him in my name that, should such a man present himself at the gate, he must be allowed to enter the city unmolested. Gourdon gave a quick cry of protest. Let the man go unmolested? Citizen Chauvelin, think what you are doing. I always think what I am doing, retorted Chauvelin curtly, and I have no need of outside guidance in the process. He then turned once more to Tournefort. 
"'You yourself, citizen,' he continued, in sharp, decisive tones which admitted of no argument, "'will dismount as soon as you are inside the city. You will keep the gate under observation. The moment you see the man Rateau, you will shadow him, and on no account lose sight of him. Understand?' "'You may trust me, citizen Chauvelin,' Tournefort replied, elated at the prospect of work which was so entirely congenial to him. "'But will you tell me—' "'I will tell you this much, citizen Tournefort,' broke in Chauvelin with some acerbity, "'that though we have traced the diamonds and the thief so far, we have, through your folly last night, lost complete track of the Cidavon Comtesse de Soucy and of the man Bertin. We want Rateau to show us where they are.' "'I understand,' murmured the other meekly. "'That's a mercy,' reposted Chauvelin dryly. "'Then quickly, man, lose no time. "'Try to get a few minutes' advance on Rateau, "'then slip into the guard-room and change into less conspicuous clothes. "'Citizen Gordon and I will continue on the upper road "'and keep the man in sight in case he should think of altering his course. "'In any event, we'll meet you just inside the barrier.' But if, in the meanwhile, you have to get on Rateau's track before we have arrived on the scene, leave the usual indications as to the direction which you have taken. Having given his orders and satisfied himself that they were fully understood, he gave a curt command, and avant, and once more the three of them rode at a sharp trot down the road towards the city. End of Book 11, Chapter 3 Recording by Sarah Luann